So you must just be thrilled, right? Because the one complaint that you kept saying in the movies we've seen so far, <laughs> you know, uh, not enough boobs. When are we going to get more boobs? You're on record as being a huge breast man. <laughs> running theme oh my so. goodness there are flags all over this i love that you're taking the opportunity to pull out a narrative that you've created over the previous 50 episodes about my love of boobs <laughs> um i have complained at times you're right i i have played into this sort of narrative sometimes because there's been opportunities in many movies where i thought that was going to be a part of the script or theme and it didn't happen it was definitely a part of this one. Yeah, I mean, I think nudity makes every movie better. So if you have the chance to do it, why not put it in there? Give everyone a thrill, right? Where if you're if you're making a low budget movie, an exploitation type film, you got to have some exploitation, you know. You need the titillation. <laughs> exactly. Welcome to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper, and I'm Nolan, and uh, we are finally talking about a movie that we almost talked about at the beginning of our second season, the classic of a miserable failure. Like one of the things you point to is a bad movie all the time. Oh. It's Showgirls, starring <laughs> Jesse from Saved by the Bell. Jesse Spano, one woman against the odds, uh, taking on the show business. Yeah, the seamy underbelly of fucking <laughs> Vegas Las Vegas adult dancing. Yeah. yeah. After watching it, I'm happy that we kicked off with Back to the Future Two because at least that one was a little bit more fun. This was way darker than I expected. I, so I did not remember. Uh, how dark it was. Like, obviously, the last time I saw it, like, a teenager, I think, this is, everyone saw this in, like, the the mid-late 90s. You'd get the VHS, the DVD, whatever. It'd be on, well, it wouldn't be on TV. But, like, yeah, and then, like, we'd all, we'd, we'd, let's be honest here. We're teenagers. We're watching it for the nudity. Yeah, the only reason this would have been intriguing was at the time we would have been, like, 13, 14, 15-year-old boys. And this was pre-free internet porn everywhere. That's the only reason people saw this movie, I'm pretty sure. I, I do think that some people saw it just to see how bad it was. And I know that... Like, I mean, that's what we're doing, basically. We're watching it to, like, laugh at how bad some of the performances are. Oh, my God, they are bad. Oh, the acting in it is atrocious. Now, were you a big Saved by the Bell fan? I watched it every day after school, man. It was on, like, TBS, like, 4 o'clock or 4.30 or both. And, yeah, that's enough for the hour. I I watched it pretty regularly as well. I'm guessing, though, you were a a Lisa Turtle fan. You are incorrect. Jesse Spano was my lady back then. I was a big Jesse Spano fan. Wow. Lisa Turtle, what? I don't know. I just bougie out there. (laughs) (laughs) Not my world. Ah, that's funny. I was definitely Kelly Kapowski. I was... uh, Uh, You and a lot of other people. She was obviously the... the, Jesse Spano, to me, was kind of an annoying character. I, I did think it was intriguing to see such a departure for um, Elizabeth Berkeley is that yeah, that's what and that's what she was doing that's yeah. what she was going for she this wanted was, uh, to get out of that and she really chose a movie to push past she, that other she character. got all the way out of it wow uh, yeah so we're gonna cover all of it and fuck again there's so much to talk about with this and the beer that we are enjoying today, so appropriate. I love this one, actually. What's the beer that we're drinking today? I mean, we're, we're 50 episodes in now. Maybe this isn't your first one, but we always match a beer with the title of the movie. And so uh, with Showgirls, we, we now have a beer called Clothing Optional. Nice. Fabulous. Session IPA. It's from New Ontario Brewing Company out of North Bay, Ontario. They brew a whole bunch of different styles of beer. And have a pretty cool place. They have a huge space where they do concerts. They have a really cool bar. And they have a really big patio out front too. So I'm excited to try this one. I actually went, uh, I actually ordered these online. And uh, I had the clothing optional. And uh, by accident, uh, my significant other consumed them before we could podcast. Yeah, we had a hilarious mishap with that. So this episode nearly didn't happen because the beers were, were missing. But uh, I ended up heading to the brewery this summer on a, on a cottage trip. And 
they pulled them off of the production line for me. Oh, New Ontario Brewing. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for that. There was nothing in the fridge, and they were like, wait a minute. We think they're in production, and they went back and pulled a six-pack off for me. So thank you. Big shout-out to New Ontario for doing that for us. Yeah, definitely. And I will say, I have only had a couple of their beers. One of the ones I've had, their Bear Runner Blonde is fucking tremendous. It's an absolutely great beer. It's one of my favorites. So if you ever have the chance to find that, grab it and enjoy but yeah, we'll uh, we'll give this one a try. Session IPA. Session, you know, means that I'm more likely to like it or yeah, less alcohol. So uh, you're you're going to be able to stay coherent throughout this podcast, which is probably necessary based on how fucked this story is that we're about to talk about. <laughs> yeah, man. Let's find out. So weirdly, and this kind of jumped out to me. We opened this movie with no music. There's no music at all. It's just we fade in. There's like footsteps and footsteps on a parking lot, and uh, that woman. Walking through the parking lot is, of course, Elizabeth Berkeley, a.k.a. Jesse Spano, a.k.a. Nomi Malone. Uh, <laughs> Weird name choice. It was, especially as we find out because she literally chose that name. Yep. She's got an extremely tasseled leather jacket, a suitcase, and a dream, and she's looking to hitch a ride. Now, in case you're wondering where she's headed, she posts up directly in front of a road sign that says Las Vegas, 342 miles. So I guess they're going for subtlety here. <laughs> yeah, they don't tell you what town. They sort of show you the scenery of a mountain town. and I was thinking Colorado. That's that's the vibes I was getting to. We could have probably done some research and looked what was 342 miles from Vegas. That's, that's way okay. more yeah, work. That's way more work no. going to. So she's, she's going to go and she throws her thumb out hitchhiking. I mean, not something you do a ton of in the late 90s, I wouldn't think. It's more of a 70s thing, I think. But uh, yeah, yes, people are still doing it. Unsurprisingly, she's there for about three seconds before someone pulls over. <laughs> like a hot lady on the side of the road. Yes, please. <laughs> so he pulls over in his truck and it's Elvis. He throws on an Elvis-like accent. He has huge sideburns and the hair to go along with it. Yeah. Also, unsurprisingly, this guy is a complete dirtbag. He says he's heading to Vegas and it's her lucky day. And his smile is so creepy that it makes my skin crawl. What the fuck is up with this guy's face? (laughs) I don't know. He was absurdly creepy. He very quickly invites her to sit closer. Yeah. And what's her response to that? Oh, she pulls a switchblade on him. (laughs) She she is not going to take any shit. And that includes the radio. She makes him turn off the Garth Brooks song that's playing. Uh, they eventually start playing nice. She puts away the knife and they exchange names. He's Jeff, by the way. And he asks if she's going to Vegas to win. Her response? I'm going to dance. <laughs> this scene provides us with the first opportunity to see what kind of acting Elizabeth Berkeley is going to throw down outside of her Saved by the Bell character. Yeah. It's not great. Awful. And you know what? To be fair, he's awful too. So I'm kind of wondering if they're like, let's put someone in there that's as bad or worse than her oh, to make her look better by comparison. This is a common theory for you, right? Yeah you, yeah. you take the star and then you hire people that suck more than them to give them some credibility. Yeah, they didn't go far enough down though. No. <laughs> he's bad, but he's not bad enough to it's, make me notice she's bad. The thing that bothered me most, and it starts very early here uh, with her performance, is she doesn't know how to act angry. Like, all of her outbursts are just so over the top and don't seem believable to me. Oh, it's like a child having a tantrum. Yeah, every yeah. single time, but they don't come off genuine. Like, well, it, the thing is, too, it wouldn't be so much of a problem if she didn't have to get angry so many times in this movie. <laughs> There's like 80 times where she has to get angry, and every time it's just this flailing tantrum, and she stomps out, and like, yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah, this is going to be a running commentary, I think, throughout our podcast, because that is the theme of the movie. They should have chose or written a different way, or chose an actual actress that could play angry i mean i do think you mentioned the writing just now i don't think she has a lot to work with but even still she's not she's not too much with it it does not take them long to get to vegas and it turns out that jeff has an uncle who works at the riviera or at least that's what he says 
He goes to talk to him and leads her to play the slot machines, except, yeah, he doesn't really have an uncle. And after losing all of her money, she starts getting the sneaking suspicion that maybe he isn't coming back. Yeah, this is funny. She should have thought this was kind of fishy, but she doesn't. She leaves his stuff with him. She hits it kind of big. She hits an early kind of jackpot. And then we get a, maybe a commentary on gambling in Vegas because very quickly she loses it all. And then a guy offers to f her for money. Yeah, classic gambler's mistake, you know. She's up, and then she just stays too long. House always wins. And then, yeah, you always end up with some guy offering to f*** you if you pay him. Or the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, this sounds like you're speaking from experience. So uh, she runs outside, and sure enough, his truck is gone, along with all of her stuff. She starts throwing one of those tantrums we talked about and smacking the car beside her. But that car's owner shows up right then, and they get into a scuffle that causes uh, Nomi to, like, puke or something she was rage puking she was so angry she's vomiting (laughs) right like it was insane i don't know i guess they did it to just add some more intensity to the scene this scene blew my mind i burst out laughing yeah so again we're getting into angry acting she freaks out she starts slamming on a woman's car The woman asked her to stop. Instead of stopping, she does it more. She throws up and then runs into the middle of traffic. She does run out into traffic, but that girl who owns the car saves her, pulls her back from getting hit by another car, and, of course, they become best friends. They almost kiss right after, which is fucking really weird. Yeah, they instantly fall in love. They were like, have the best friendship I have ever seen in my life. And it happens instantly after the Nomi character, Elizabeth Berkeley, smashes all over her car and pukes on it and then almost kills herself. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this uh, lady, Molly is her name, buys her some fries. Then Elizabeth Berkeley throws another tantrum and tosses the fries everywhere. Then Molly invites her to live with her, and we cut to six weeks later. And I'm not even shitting you. All of this happens in two minutes of movie time. This happens so fucking fast. Yeah, this whole section of things that are happening just didn't make any sense for a movie that is absurdly long right like this thing did not need to be as long as it was that'll come up again later too you should have spent some time developing this friendship rather than spending the minute it took to create like a best friend situation here oh really i kind of thought you were gonna have the other take you know get rid of all the character building stuff quick so you can just get right to the (laughs) (laughs) no i thought i'm like (laughs) Yeah, you don't have to respond to that. I, I'm not going to respond to that. I'm going to move on from that. I was going to yeah. try to push the uh, push the podcast forward, you know, rather than dragging us down into the sure. Um, so, <laughs> so, so here we are, six weeks later, and they're living together and maybe having sex. They seem like more than platonic friends to me. They hint at that, but both of them seem heterosexual. I don't, they don't suggest that they are bisexual or they have other relationships. Oh, I don't know. I feel like most of the women in this movie are portrayed as like bisexual at least. Anyway, it turns out that Molly is like a seamstress or costume designer for a Vegas show. And sure enough, it's a topless show. There's breasts everywhere. Did you lock in your 10 rating right here or <laughs> wait a little bit later? I had some questions about this style of show or what it is. Are these common in Vegas? Burlesque, yeah, sure. Sort of like large burlesque well, this shows. Is like a this is like a high budget, like conceptual, almost like a... I don't it's know like to, a like, Moulin Rouge kind of situation It's here. like a weird combination of like Broadway and burlesque. There's yeah. you know, sets and elaborate costumes. Very and some, serious some kind of dancing. Yeah. Like all of the people who can perform in it are serious dancers. There's like all kinds of pyrotechnics yeah. and a, a large story to the production. So I thought it was interesting, right? Like this is putting a lot of time into kind of an adult show. Like it's supposed to entertain for its dance and merit, but it's also supposed to be erotic. Like you're supposed to go because... Well, there's nudity and some of the moves are very sexually suggestive as we see later. 
Um, is this, I know you've been to Vegas a couple times. Yep, a few times actually, yeah. Is this the kind of show that you went to see while you were there? <laughs> or was it closer to the things that, at the uh, cheetah? <laughs> that, that happened down at the Cheetah? Is that... I have not been to a burlesque show in Vegas. I have been to uh, gentlemen's clubs in Vegas. Uh, so I guess to answer your question, no, we didn't go in for the art stuff. We just went right, <laughs> to, the, right to the business. Uh, this is where we meet the star of this show, Crystal Connors, played by Gina Gershon. And she is looking good. After the show, she does a little schmoozing. There's some reporters and photographers there, along with her boyfriend, Zach, who we'll learn more about later. But this wraps up quickly, and she summons Molly backstage to make some costume adjustments for the next show. Molly brings Nomi back with her, and this is where things start getting catty. It's interesting because uh, Gina Gershon, our star of the show, gets into a conversation with Nomi and asks her sort of some information about her. She compliments her nails. Yep. Um, she finds out she dances at the Cheetah. Yeah. The quote uh, you're probably thinking of here from Gina Gershon is, I don't know how good you are, darling, and I don't know what it is you're good at. But if it's at the cheetah, it's not dancing. I know that much. <laughs> that is some great A shade right there. Yeah. Well, and then how does Nomi react to that? Oh, yeah. At least yet another Nomi tantrum. She tees off on Gina Gershon telling her, you don't know shit. <laughs> she stomps out, <laughs> which is like and I mean, crazy to me. It's interesting, right? Because if the character's goal is to star in one of these sort of high-class, high high-end production, yeah. like sex kind of shows, it's not a sex show stuff, but like it's an not. adult show. There's <laughs> yeah. no there's no intercourse in those shows. I don't know that being at a low-grade strip club is going to be the avenue that gets you there. I mean, it's probably more of a lateral move than you think. They both involve dancing and toplessness. All of the people who seem to be in this show come from a trained dancing background. Well, so do some of the strippers in Vegas, though. Let's be honest here. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. That must be true. Either way, her reaction here surprised me. You'd think you'd at least play nice with someone who could theoretically help you. Although her reaction as soon as anyone dismisses her even a little bit is just to lose it on them, which is why later when she actually gets a job, it makes no sense. Like, that should not have happened. So I started counting, and this is the fourth scene that she loses it, and I laughed my ass off. Like, I started keeping a tally because it's just insane. It's a lot. Now, she's clearly upset, so to cheer her friend up, Molly decides to take her to a club where Elizabeth Berkeley proves Crystal Connors right by flailing around on the dance floor. I don't know what that is, but it's not dancing. Oh my goodness, when she hits that D floor, the moves that come out of her are so erratic. It's crazy. There's a huge circle of space around her because everyone is like... Uh, afraid for their lives? Yeah, if they get too close, they're going to be elbowed in the head or kicked in the fucking groin. Yeah, <laughs> they were afraid of getting injured having to go to the hospital. Her dancing is so bad. This has to be an intentional choice at this point, right? Yeah, I think so. Because another character we meet right now agrees with you. That's James. He works at the club and thinks that she has potential as a dancer. Offers the teacher, but she doesn't want to hear it. So she knees him in the dick, which starts a brawl on the dance floor and gets her tossed out. And into jail for some reason? Yeah, I don't know why you'd get arrested for kneeing a dude. He was a bouncer at the club, so maybe the club contacted the police, but I don't know. It seemed extreme. She wakes up in prison, though, and in the morning, who bails her out? James does, that guy from the club. I guess he's trying to get in with her kind of here, just, you know, connect with her and hopefully get her to... Uh... Have sex with him? <laughs> I was going to say star in his show, but he does also try to have sex with her, of course. <laughs> he says that she has more natural talent than any other dancer he has ever seen. Oh, that comes up later, and it's fucking absurd. It's absurd. I needed to change my pants after he said what? that. What? I shit myself. Oh. It was so bad. <laughs> oh. What? What would he have possibly seen that would indicate that to him? 
I guess he does steer later on in the cheetah, but come on. Uh, speaking of, later that day, we get a scene of her at work. She's in the dressing room with the other dancers when Al, the manager, played by Robert Davi, brings in a new girl, and this girl is real new, apparently. Not only does she not recognize her own stripper name, Hope, but he asks her if she's ever given a lap dance before, and she says no. You'd think that would have come up in the interview, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you hire someone without ever having that experience. Is this guy the bad guy from the Goonies? Oh, I want to say yes, but I haven't seen the Goonies in a long time. I think he is. I think he's the bad guy from the Goonies. Okay. He does a really good job in this role, playing that sleazy club owner. Oh, he's a pro. This guy probably does the best job in the movie. I mean, Gina Gershon does a good job of Gina being... Gina Gershon does a great job. <laughs> she puts in a strong performance in a weak movie, I would say. But I like this character a lot. Some of the lines that uh, come out of him are just so intentionally hilarious. Well, yeah, we get one of those right now. He's got some good advice for this new girl. He says if you want to last longer than a week, give him a blowjob. And her response when he leaves is enjoyable. Was he serious? I'm pretty sure he is. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> he pulls that one out a few times to the women working at his club. Yep. Speaking of women in the club, you'll never guess who decides to visit the Cheetah that night. It's Gina Gershon, Crystal Connors herself, along with her boyfriend, Zach, and a bunch of Japanese businessmen for some reason. No comment. <laughs> All right. What a small world this is, though, right? They watch Nomi dance. Side note, she makes some really weird noises. It's kind of like she's doing karate. <laughs> it, was, serious. it was not impressive. This was another chance for her to demonstrate that she has some skills. Nope. 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 <laughs> like, there's nothing coming out from her erotic dance that shows that she could perform in the big show. I agree. But despite that, Zach can't take his eyes off her, and Crystal offers to buy her for him. And sure enough, when Nomi gets off stage, there's $500 and a hard d*** waiting for her. <laughs> she doesn't want to do it because, of course, she's very prideful, right? She's, although she's a stripper um, and offering private dances to many others, she doesn't want to do it because Crystal is the one with influence here. Well, yeah, and when you know a person, I'm sure it's weird. Although, Gina Gershon is just going to watch, and that's what she does. Watches as Elizabeth Berkeley makes her boyfriend jizz his pants. <laughs> Literally, this is the most aggressive dry humping I've ever seen. She basically f***s him through the pants. She does. She definitely gives him quite the lap dance to completion. <laughs> Are those moves any better than the others we've seen previous to now? Well, yeah, but this is kind of like the, like, this is the thing. We'll get to this in a second. Uh, James is also there at the Cheetah. Apparently, the Cheetah is his fucking place to be. He gets a glimpse of this, and he likes what he sees enough to come to her trailer the next day and tell her to knock it off with the stripping because he, again, like you said, believes she has real dancing talent. But I think the point that he makes is that what she's doing is basically like f***ing guys. It's not dancing. She's just like simulating sex, and that is exactly what happens here at the Cheetah. That is kind of true. Like, all of her dance moves are super aggressive and very groin-oriented. Yeah, they mentioned that later when she auditions for something that it's just like a pelvic... Like, she's good at pelvic thrusting, and that's it. Yeah, her uh, her thrusting game is very strong. Yeah. yeah. This whole scene is, like, ramblingly incoherent. The only point I can really take away is that he thinks she has amazing natural dance talent. Everything else, the argument about how she f***s people without actually f***ing them, there's, like, a weird AIDS reference thrown in here. I don't know what the statement they were trying to make here was, but whatever it was, I missed it completely. Yeah, I found even the transition to this scene and out of it as well confusing. They're not doing a good job of indicating significance or time passing. They kind of show in the story that anything she's around kind of breaks down and falls apart, like she's the problem. Mm -hmm. And I really struggled with what the message of this movie was, but I wondered if that was an intentional choice in filmmaking. Are they bouncing around to show that she causes problems or is it just lazy? I couldn't tell. 
Maybe these sharp, jarring transitions are symbolic of the rapid changes in her life where it seems like these moments are just coming out of nowhere. I wanted to give them credit for that, but I'm not sure. Doesn't seem possible, right? No, I don't think so. Uh, We get another quick trip somewhere else now, as after Best Friend Shopping Trip, Molly sees a poster for Andrew Carver, some sort of musician who she really wants to bone. She tells Nomi she'll have to get tickets to the concert, and from there we cut to Elizabeth Berkeley scissoring with that Hope Girl on stage. Speaking of sudden and jarring. (laughs) Out of nowhere. What's interesting in that scene with Molly looking at the poster of the star is she throws down the line that she hasn't been in six months so i think that sort of takes away from your comments about the two of them maybe that puts an end to that oh yeah okay true fair but she really has a hard on for this musician and unfortunately we're going to go back to that story later on yeah it does not turn out well uh on her way off stage where she aggressively rejects guys asking for lap dances nomi happens to bump into the guy who propositioned her earlier in the casino on her first night in vegas Turns out he works for the Stardust Hotel and wants her to audition for an open slot in their chorus line, and that's where we head next. The auditions are being run by Tony Moss, a self-professed legendary prick who doesn't care about anything but the show, and he proves it by immediately shitting on half the contestants and cutting them before they even dance. This character is fucking great. (laughs) He's entertaining as fuck. Like, this is a well-played character by this guy. It's true. This is interesting. I don't know anything about that world, but I assume that it's probably a fairly realistic portrayal of what it would have been like at the time. Yeah, not these days, probably. No, he would have been fired so quickly for one of the dozens of comments he made to those women (laughs) in that scene. But you're right, his character, he leans into it and does a good job of being an asshole. Oh my god, he does a great job. This guy's great. And what's interesting is his anger and level of assholishness is kind of matched by the Nomi character, right? We get the two individuals now who pretty much don't give a fuck and do what they want, and I think he appreciates this. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, it kind of impresses him when he, she talks back to him a bit. When he asks her a couple questions, he likes it. He likes it. He likes her moxie. She doesn't have the same sort of chops as many of the other people trying out. But she has the energy or spirit he's looking for. Well, and she's got the sex. She's smoking hot, and they talk about this in a later audition. She's got enough sexuality to kind of draw guys in, and that allows her to make it to the final three, and then the final two, where Tony Moss gives her the kind of sage advice and one-on-one coaching that only a seasoned pro can provide. You got something wrong with your nipples? No. They're not sticking up. Stick them up. What? Play with them a little bit. Pinch them a little. You want me to do it for you? I'll do it. I'm erect. Why aren't you erect? And here comes another Nomi tantrum. (laughs) So this is an interesting scene. The whole time it's going on, I can't take my eyes off Nomi's face. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's not the word that you thought I was going to say. I did not think you were going to say face. Did you see her lipstick? Oh, yeah, definitely. I was for sure looking at her face. Yeah, (laughs) sure. Looking at her lipstick. It was clown makeup, man. Her lipstick was an inch off her actual lips drawn around her face. I was fixated on it. I couldn't get past that. But that moment is probably the moment that he would have been fired the quickest. Quite possibly. Talk about this tantrum, though. Oh, yeah. She heads into a tantrum, runs away again. There's no way she would have this part, right? She wasn't as good as everyone else. She throws this tantrum. She runs off. She knows why she got the addition, right? I think part of the tantrum is she knows why she was there that day. Well, Crystal Connors is there watching her also, so there's something going on here for sure. And yeah, she figures it out. Now, when she runs out of the audition, you'll never guess who she runs into. It's James, because apparently he has some kind of fucking tracking device on her. Uh, no, really, he's there working, but he ends up getting fired when he talks to her, so he takes her for the best meal in town, which is a burger. 
And my first thought is, it's got to be In-N-Out, right? <laughs> I mean, I've never been to Vegas, but In-N-Out burgers are pretty delicious, though, right? Yep. Yeah, in terms of burger fast food chains, you know where my heart lies, though. Steak and shake. Oh, God, yes, please. So she's eating a burger. She's loving it, and they're driving in this convertible, kind of driving through what looks like back streets or alleyways, and he pulls up to what looks like a pretty rundown place. Yeah, it's like a wedding chapel. It's one of those quickie wedding joints. And he says he wants to show her something that he's been working on, and I assume it's his d- <laughs> yeah this is his place right he lives here uh but no it's not his d- it's a dance that he's choreographed and wants to perform once he gets a few more girls and at first she's kind of like following his lead he's showing her these moves but then it just turns into a lap dance she's just giving him a lap dance and this point in the movie there's a couple points where i'm uncomfortable and this is one of those points so i remember very little of this movie from when i saw it as a teenager and as most of us had This moment I did remember. They got very close to being intimate, and then she tells him that she's on her period, and he doesn't believe her, so he puts his hand down her pants, and of course, he confirms it. Yeah, she tells him to check, so he basically checks her oil, and she does, in fact, have her period. Ah, and he doesn't seem to care. He's like, I've got towels. (laughs) 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 That is true. I had forgotten how much she didn't care about that, and... Not that necessarily people should care about that, but I think most people... I think a lot of people these days don't. I think in his defense, like with a lady like her, I mean, she's very good looking. You kind of take your shot when you can get it. You might not get a chance like this, you know? <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> well, she said uh, she didn't say <laughs> that she's never have sex. She just said, I want to get to know you a little more first. Uh, and he's not a patient man. No, well, I think she says, you can f*** me when you love me. I think that's the exact quote. But like, why? Why was this exchange in here? I'm really confused. I'm not sure. I don't actually even understand why the James character is in the Oh, film. dude. I've got a big thing about that later on. His whole thing is padding. We don't need him in this movie at all. And that comes up later. We'll talk about it in a minute. <laughs> okay, good. When she gets home, there's a message waiting from Tony Moss. He wants her to call him immediately. And when she does, she finds out that despite the nipple fiasco from earlier, she's got the spot in the chorus line. She's going to be a showgirl. Yeah, man. She quickly heads to the cheetah where she quits and vows never to return. And then she pays a visit to James to tell him the good news. But as you pointed out, he is very impatient. So she sees him in bed with another girl. And it's that girl Hope from the strip club. The one that she was scissoring with the other day? Yeah. Yes, exactly. So now she's mad at him. He's mad at her because now she won't be in his show. They're very upset about this. And I know we always say this, but haven't these two known each other for like less than a week? I'm pretty sure they've had like three conversations total. How can they possibly have this much emotionally invested in each other at this point? Well, she did take a matter of 30 seconds to fall in love with Molly. So we know her pace is quick. Oh, that's for sure. But yeah, it makes no sense. I, I don't understand why these two have such a close connection already. He owes her nothing. It's ridiculous that he's already banging another woman less than 24 hours after he tried to get with her, oh, though. You don't think he had them both going at the same time, though? He's running different nights of the week here? Oh, he must have. He must have had multiple things going, which makes you wonder about that character, too, right? He's another fucking seedy dirtbag, I guess. I mean, you can weigh on the James character later. So she gets a job, and she gets to show up for her first day, and how does that go? Yeah, so it's time for her to get started, and after an HR scene that alludes to her mysterious backstory... We get a short training montage as she prepares for the show. I enjoyed it. I was going to say, come on, man. I mean, you know how I feel about montages. We've had some disappointing ones lately, though. This one was all right, though. Yeah, no, I didn't mind this one at all. This was pretty good. Good pace. She's getting the steps kind of, but you can tell she's green. Yeah. She's got some stuff to work on, but they're throwing her right into the fire. She starts tonight. And after a strangely out-of-place comedy scene involving escape monkeys, it's showtime. What did you think of her first performance? 
She does okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's the interesting part, right? Because all through the movie up until this point, she was flailing around. Like, it made it look like she had no skills, but very quickly she gets this choreography down. Yeah, I mean, again, there's some slight mistakes, but overall the general footwork and arm movement she's got instantly. The part about this that jumped out to me, though, was she has a much too prominent position in terms of where she is on stage during the show. She's right next to Gina Gershon, which there's no fucking way. She's the new girl. They're not going to put her next to the star of the show on her first night when they're not sure about her. That's crazy. You're right. I think the progression that they put her in the show and how prominent her place is is kind of shocking. But I did want to go back for a second to talk about uh, sort of the dancing skill because I've kind of been shitting on Elizabeth Berkley and she must have really put in some time because she does dance well. Does she have a dance background? I couldn't tell you. I mean, she's tall, so you convinced me that she did like some ballet or something. By the end of this, she holds her own in the dance performances with what I assume are professional dancers. Yeah, I mean, they're probably not professional actors. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> no. Not based on their caliber of performance. <laughs> Which is funny, right? Because now I'm complimenting her on her dancing and not her acting. <laughs> she chose <laughs> yeah. the wrong profession. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, she's happy about how this went, but James is waiting outside the casino to try to rain in her parade. The key word there is try because she blows right past him. What does he yell at her as she drives away? I don't remember. I have a problem with p- <laughs> well, he told her that initially that he did, and that's his excuse for like he's basically claiming sex addiction before that was a thing, which is ridiculous, right? Like, yeah, I agree. Uh, we get a lengthy dissolve to our next scene where Gina Gershon is waiting for her on stage to make nice after they got off on the wrong foot, kind of. This is a weird relationship. Yeah, it's kind of mentor-mentee with like a strong undercurrent of sexuality. Yeah, I don't really get it. The only thing I'm starting to think is that maybe Crystal's character came from a difficult or similar background. Uh, we find out that she's from a small town, Texas, later on. So, like, maybe... So, she, maybe she sees something in Elizabeth Berkeley's character that reminds her of herself? Yeah, or maybe it's, like, keep your enemies closer kind of thing. She sees that this lady is, like, ambitious and hot, and it's like, I gotta protect my spot here, you know? Now, the goal of this movie was to get her in the show, right? That's what we all wanted? Well, the goal is for her to become a star. Well, that's fair. But we're only an hour into this movie, and... Is there an hour more? Uh, yeah, but she's not a star yet. She's just in the show. What's coming? Like, what do we have left in this thing? Well, more seedy underbelly stuff is what we've got. Uh, after a brief scene where they go back to the casino and Gina Gershon caresses Nomi's t***s, Nomi gets an offer to do a boat show. It's a one-day gig that pays $1,000 with a small caveat that she might have to f*** an Asian businessman. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Why are boat conventions so seedy? It was hilarious the way that uh, he offered it to her. Many of the other people who work on the show were like, don't do it. They all knew the boat convention means prostitution. Yeah, the boat's not the only thing getting docked, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, she storms out because she's not a whore. It's like her 17th storm out of the movie. And when she tells artistic director Zach what happened, he threatens to fire the guy who arranged it. But as soon as she leaves, he calls the guy back and seems friendly with him. So I'm guessing Zach's also a dirtbag, and we find out more about that later, too. Yeah, and she has a funny relationship with Zach. Zach, who is Crystal's sort of partner. It seems like they have a pretty open relationship, though. Yeah, that's true. It seems like they kind of go for what they want. He pretends to support her, but we know that he's not really going to be above board here. No one is in this movie. All right, so at this point, there's been a weird subplot that we haven't talked about yet where there are these two other dancers that are feuding. It's mostly just them cussing each other out. There was a fight at one point, and in that night's show, one of them sabotages the other by dropping, like, marbles or beads or something on the stage, which causes the other one to fall and break her leg. I think they were beads. I think they were hair beads as part of the costuming. 
The woman who gets sabotaged has not been given a lot of character depth. She complains about her G-strings not fitting properly. She's been bitchy about the other woman's children, so you don't feel super bad for her. But it definitely shows you the cutthroat nature of the showgirl's business. Yeah. Now, when I was first watching this, I'm like, this whole subplot has been padding. We can cut all of this. But it secretly turns out to be kind of important later on. The next scene, though, I'm 100% sure is padding. Where after the show, Nomi gets a visit from her old boss, Al, and the cheetah's resident comedian, Harry. They're there to tell her what a good job she did, and they miss her. And it's totally unnecessary. Although, there is one good thing that comes out of this scene. This is the funniest moment in the entire movie. <laughs> You're speaking, of course, about this gem of a line from Robert Davi. Must be weird not having anybody c*** on you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this scene is unnecessary, but worth it. It was worth it for that line. What on earth? I had to pause the movie. I was crying laughing. It's the best line in this movie, and it was delivered He's so, so well. serious about it. He's so serious. He's so serious. I just laughed so hard. Oh, it's a genuine reflection, and she's considering it. She's, like, thoughtful about it. Oh, oh, that's true. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's different not getting <laughs> semen all over me. <laughs> she, she's considering this. Oh, Zach offers her a ride home, and she agrees. But when he asks her where, too, she says, your place. She's making her move here, and part of her move is complimenting him on how his eyes looked when he cr- his jeans earlier <laughs> yeah she kind of liked it when he <laughs> i like that you had to do laundry uh, <laughs> they're there for about five minutes then it's time for a skinny dip and we get a variety of sexual adventures here he licks some champagne off her t- she blows him underwater for a bit then she fucks him against the wall of the pool giving him very intense eye contact and then she leans back and orgasms under his waterfall well not his waterfall it's the one that just filled up her s- the one in the pool he has one of those waterfall <laughs> things in the pool rewrite that section I did. <laughs> that was very smooth. I did uh, take note of the waterfall lean back as well. It was pretty hilarious. She's leaning back and having trouble breathing and simulating an orgasm in the pool at the same time. She's got some moves, man. This is, uh, you know. <laughs> she's pulled right into his world here. We see the next morning that she wakes up and dips into his Coke, and now she's all the way in. Yeah, first time we've seen her use Coke in the movie. This next morning scene, like you mentioned, that's when he tells her about an opening to be Crystal's understudy, and she's got her next chance to climb the ladder. Looks like she's going to get it, too, because Zach is pushing hard for her against Tony Moss and Crystal's wishes. He's really into her, and it looks like she feels the same way, although he invites her out for basically the same evening the guy at the boat show did, like word for word, and that's a red flag. Like, we all know where this is going, right? Yes, yeah. She's in too deep now. She wanted this, but I don't know that she actually wants what's coming to her in the seedy underbelly of a burlesque show world. She does do the audition, though, and she gets the part. How does Gina Gershon feel about this? Oh, not great, as we see later on. From there, Nomi goes to see James's show. I guess he found three girls after all, and he's going to go for it. And he does, but he does not get it. They get booed off the stage. After the show ends, we find out that A, he's engaged to that fucking hope lady, B, she's pregnant, and C, he's going to give up dancing to go get some regular job. And this is where I'm like, what was the point of any of the stuff with him? He didn't teach her anything. He didn't profoundly affect her life in any way. He just popped in for a minute, didn't influence the main story at all, and is now leaving. So what the fuck? This is like a half-hour movie we could have got rid of right here. It's a waste of a character. I wonder if they had more written or an alternate relationship or something else happening. Yeah, like I figured he would actually end up teaching her dancing and he just does nothing. Yeah, it's nothing. He ends up like they're telling you to use protection when you f***. <laughs> Is this an advertisement for condoms? Which she doesn't do when she nails that guy in the pool. That's true. Straight r- <laughs> With your love for Jesse Spano, is uh, that contributing to your enjoyment of this movie at this point? 
Now it's my turn to no comment. <laughs> no, this whole thing is bad, man. It's bad times. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I don't know what's happening there. I don't know if they're showing that he's doing the right thing by giving up dance and being a dad to someone he doesn't really care about. I mean, I guess if I had to try to make a connection to this, maybe the fact that he walks away and then she ends up walking away at the end, maybe there's something there. But I do not feel like... It was not not, not worth no, the time investing. In we're we're no. putting way too much energy into trying to explain stuff that they didn't think about. Which is always the hallmark of a great movie when we have to try and figure <laughs> out what's happening. Uh, later on, Elizabeth Berkeley returns to work to find out that Gina Gershon has put the kibosh on her understudy role. As we mentioned, mm-hmm. she's not happy. Apparently, Crystal threatened to walk, got her lawyers involved, and Zach had to pull it. So Crystal with the flex right there. And Nomi's going to have to get revenge the only way she knows how, by dancing the angriest dance of her life. There's something that I noticed in this set of scenes with Berkeley and Gershon. Okay. Did you ever see the moment where they ha- kind of have their hands together? What do you notice about Gershon's hands? Oh, I didn't notice anything. They're massive. Man hands. Massive man hands. No, no, no. Hang on. She doesn't have man hands. Man hands would be like large, but also beefy. She doesn't have like thick fingers. She's Comparatively just like, to... Comparatively? What are we... I don't know. <laughs> I have not noticed Gina Gershon having masculine hands. I just Although brought it up because I thought, I thought it would make you uncomfortable. So now, now you're going to look at... Yeah. Now, you, now you're Googling Gershon's Frantically hands. Googling Frantically Googling Gina Gershon <laughs> hands. Uh, so nobody, nobody's angry dancing. That's not actually how she's going to get her revenge. The, the real way she gets her revenge is by pushing Crystal down the fucking stairs. And she is severely injured. Fractured hip. Yeah. The dressing room for this performance is down like this huge flight of dangerous stairs. And we've already seen that they're rushing back and forth and they're building up some of this. But in front of everyone, she shoves her and she goes flying and she's out. Strangely enough, one of the other backup dancers supports her. Well, and this is where I mentioned earlier, the scenes that I thought were padding, apparently not, because the girl who dropped those beads or marbles or whatever on the stage and took out her enemy, she pops up and says that Nomi wasn't anywhere near her. She just saw it. Crystal just fell on her own. So, like, everyone knows what's up here, but no one can prove it. And uh, she's got this now. She's going to be the fucking star. Which is insane. Uh, The only person who's not happy for her is her roommate, Molly. Yeah, because Molly knows. Like, Molly has seen her kind of ambition, like, from the beginning, I guess. And Molly is not cool with this. She basically tells Nomi to fuck off and that she will not be attending the big after show party, even though that musician that she was uh, fixated on earlier, Andrew Carver, is going to be there. But after this big dramatic stand against her friend, she still comes to the party anyway. She can't stop it. Um, I thought there was a hilarious scene at the start of the movie after the very first performance of the burlesque show. They do that interview you talked about, and they do the exact same cut again here. They describe her, Nomi Malone, as a big star, and they say that we could have had Janet Jackson. We could have had Paul Abdul. Abdul. (laughs) But we want Nomi Malone, and I just, like, busted a gut. I was like, holy shit. Well, and also they're lying, because when the guy pitches Paul Abdul and Janet Jackson, the guy who owns the casino is like, no, it's way too much money. We're not paying them that. But then here he is the next day saying it, right? So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so the next scene we get is the party, and as we mentioned, Molly does show up. And she actually meets the musician, Andrew Carver, and uh, they seem to be kind of hitting it off. So everything's working out great, right? Yeah. Wonderful. Just so, so great. Uh, The rest of the story is going to be a fairy tale. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Except not really, because uh, what happens? So this party is really weird. It seems to be thrown together, like out of nowhere, to celebrate the performance and Molly coming in there. There's this big, like, fireworks display and a bunch of the people from that world and other famous people from Vegas are there. 
But we very quickly get the sense that everything is about to fall apart. Like we've gotten to the pinnacle. This is what she was going for. She is the star. But we know that that star is going to burn out rather quickly here. Her friend Molly comes to the party, heads off with that musician. And uh, the musician takes her back to a room with two of his friends. Bodyguards, I think. Bodyguards. And they rape her. Well, they beat her up and rape her. Yeah. Uh, like literally before the rape happens, they, they like punch her and like knock her around. Speaking of coming out of nowhere, like yeah. Jesus like, Christ. What? God damn. This is jarring and it is very sudden and it's it's happening at the party. He does it at the party and she just lets her stumble out of the room like bleeding everywhere into this party. And that ends up being the cut, right? Like yes. that ends the party and you're just like, what? And of course, so we cut to her in the hospital, right? Yep. Like this is our transition. And of course, Elizabeth Berkeley is concerned for her friend. Well, yeah. I mean, it's interesting because she hasn't shown care for like anybody in the entire thing. Um, other than herself. And this is one of the only moments where she shows that she cares about someone else. The Molly relationship specials who are like, we see her trying to convince Molly to come to this party. She's kind of hugging her. It's clear that she wants her in her life. So there's there's that connection there. But yeah, she's been a little more focused on her. Uh, right now though, in the hospital, this dude apparently has just gotten away with this. There's no police. And as Zach tells Nomi, they aren't coming either because I guess the casino is going to protect this star. And when Nomi tries to call the police, Zach reveals that he now knows about her past. Her real name is Polly Ann Costello. Her father killed her mother, then killed himself, and she ended up becoming a hooker, which explains why she would get so angry every time anyone called her a whore. But, like, I expected more from her seedy past. I'm like, okay, used to be a hooker. I mean, that's not great, obviously, but, like, if the only people that know are, like, the private detective who found this and the casino runners, like, you can control that information... Which I guess they're they control his leverage you, over. You did what you needed to to survive as a child who like was raised in foster homes and didn't have support and probably left those places early, right? This is where I'm like again heavily questioning why they made this movie, what the message is. Is it all about like showing a CD underbelly in uh, Vegas? Is it about showing that? Like you can overcome stuff, but it's all going to fall down anyway. So retroactively, this is now kind of in a weird way. This movie's had like a cultural reevaluation. A lot of people are now praising it as like this brilliant satire of all the kind of like star is born, like Hollywood movies and narrative tales. And even the screen, even the screenwriter who, by the way, was paid an absurd amount of money. The dude got paid $3.7 million to write this fucking turkey. Millions of dollars to just basically take a shit on a pile of printer paper. And like, uh, no, so now even he is claiming that like, oh yeah, we were we were laughing the whole time. We were making these scenes and whatever. And like, act like it's a big joke. When it, I don't fucking think it was. I don't think it was at all. I think they're trying to tell this story and just like, it's supposed to be this dramatic journey. With like I think it was. I think it was intended to be dramatic. There's yeah. no way that they wrote this with that sort of sarcasm or wit in mind. No, no fucking way. I agree. This is kind of retroactive. Like, I think other people made the case and the screenwriter kind of saw an exit to be like, yeah, this is exactly what we were doing. Yeah. Uh, either way, Zach is a dirtbag like we thought. He's not going to do anything to Andrew Carver, but he does say he'll get Molly some money, you know, so you can open a dress shop or something. Nomi spits in his face and walks off and then makes a date with Andrew Carver. And at this point, with like 20 minutes left in the movie, I'm like, has this just turned into Death Wish now? Like, are we just in like a Charles Bronson? <laughs> she's a one-woman quest for revenge. Oh my goodness. Kind of. It seems like it, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, she heads over to Carver's place. Um, she walks in. She's wearing this like leopard outfit. The two guards make uh, some like lewd comments towards her, but let her go in. She gets in there and he very quickly is like, okay, let's f- Oh, yeah, the exact line he says is, I like you better topless. Where do you see me bottomless? 
We've seen it a few times bottomless in the movie. What was the... I assume it was an R... NC-17. Oh, it was NC-17. It is the most successful NC-17 movie ever released. It was released in like major theaters and it is therefore the most successful because most of them didn't get wide theater release. And it did end up being a financial success in a way despite paying that person like millions of dollars to write it, right? And I don't know how much Elizabeth Berkeley got paid to be in it and all those other things, but... She got paid enough to murder her career. That's how much it was. (laughs) Did she do any work after this? Fuck no. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Did Um, you see her in this, right? <laughs> they have this back and forth, and then what happens? Well, she pops her top, and uh, while he's distracted with her, t- she pulls her switchblade out and kicks the living shit out of him. She turns into a fucking ninja. Yeah, some these of these high kicks. Yes, she is swinging these kicks out of nowhere and just destroying this guy. This character is amazing. She can do everything. <laughs> she strips. She dances. Yeah. She. F- and she's a ninja. Like, it's all there. It's really a it, tour de force performance is what it is. Yes. She goes to visit Molly in the hospital, and she lets Molly know about the beatdown, and then decides to pay Gina Gershon a visit, because she's in the same hospital, I guess. Nomi apologizes to Crystal Connors, but she is surprisingly cool with it. Turns out old Crystal Connors did the same thing back in the day to get her first lead, plus she's getting a giant settlement from the Stardust. They, uh, they make out a little, and she <laughs> gives Nomi her hat. And from there, we cut to Nomi once again hitchhiking on the side of the road. Yeah. It's a weird closure, right? We do, I guess they do close out that relationship, the sort of mentor-mentee relationship, and the hat is literally passed. The hat is literally passed to her, and she takes over the reins. I think it's interesting, though, that she leaves now. I guess she has to because she beat the shit out of that other guy and has been spat in the face of Zach, but... Really, she's still the star of this show. Right. But she could have overcome all of those other things she did. Here's where we get the closure on her character arc here. This is the this is it. Because her whole thing is, I'm not a whore, I'm not a prostitute. If she stays in the show and she keeps taking the money, yes, it's gonna be a lot of money. Yes, she's gonna be a star, but it's dirty money. Yeah. She's seen how they play, she's seen what happened to her friend. And if she's willing to go against everything she believes in, her friendship and love for Molly. And her desire to be a star, but to do it like I want to say cleanly, except she did push you to do it her way. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, then she is prostituting herself. So her character will not do that. She's taking a stand. This 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 young lady has turned into a woman, and and now she is going to hitchhike again. You'll never guess who shows up to pick her up. (laughs) Jeff. Jeff is back. This is going to complete her quest for revenge. Here, I I actually laughed at this. Um, I am a sucker for. Like, weird closure. You bookend it, right? I like bookends. And so, although that it was absurd at the start of this movie, I did kind of enjoy they made that this choice to have Jeff be the one that picked her up But this is absurd, too. It's not that he... Okay, him picking her up, like, what are the fucking chances? That's absurd. But also, he doesn't recognize her. Yes. Well, she's wearing glasses in a different... Big fucking deal. Like, come on. That part was annoying that he didn't recognize it was her. She makes it clear quickly that it is her. Oh, yeah. And he panics. She pulls the switchblade again. And we end with him pleading with her and probably who got her suitcase as they drive by a billboard for her Stardust show and just past that, a highway sign for Los Angeles, 280 miles. She's heading to Hollywood. Yeah, and apparently when they thought this was going to be successful, that was going to be the sequel. They were going to do it. It was going to be her in Hollywood trying to become, I guess, probably, right? Oh my gosh. I I mean, that was kind of the inference. uh, Yeah. It wasn't a big jump to make that inference based on how, like, obviously they were using the signs. But yeah. uh, that was my question, right? Is this leading to Showgirls to Electric Boogaloo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... Nomi in L.A. Yeah. Uh, and so that's it. We're out. And I don't know, man. Like, this this movie, you know what this reminds me of a lot? 
cocktail. That movie starts out like, you know, kind of fun, energetic, whatever. And it just takes this fucking dark turn in the second half and everything like falls apart. And it's like this, like the, the tone of this to me felt a lot like that. So it started fun for you with the like stripping and the other stuff. And yeah. then it goes dark real quickly. It really does take a real turn. Yeah, this this movie didn't have very much fun for me. I, I don't disagree with what you're saying there. I just didn't feel that this one was as fun as the start of Cocktail. Oh, it wasn't. I'd much rather watch the first half of Cocktail than any part of this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But this had to be made for teenage boys. I was going to say, and pervs. Yeah. Hey, you want to see that girl from Saved by the Bell naked? That's basically, that should have been the tagline for this movie. <laughs> like, seriously. That's, that's the only reason to watch it. That's the main draw. Yeah. Well, I mean, Gina Gershon also, which also, also in Cocktail for the record. So oh. I can, I can watch Gina Gershon in the first half of Cocktail and I'll enjoy myself a lot more. So that's partly why you made that connection too, probably. It's possible. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. So I guess this is a good time like with us talking about how, kind of how we felt about it and stuff is to transition to our ratings. Now, in case you, this is your first time, if you're a big Showgirls fan, instead of check us out because of that. The way we do this, we rate it on a scale of 1 to 10 twice. 1 to 10 for how bad it is, 1 to 10 for how enjoyable, and the goal is to find movies that are a 10 out of 10 on both scales, which we call the Crit 20. And for me, this movie's not going to quite get there. I have this as a 9 bad. It is exceptionally bad, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, they're trying to follow a formula of like the whole rags to riches, like person with a dream comes, finds success, like eventually has a downfall. In this case, it's not really their fault, the downfall. They choose to walk away from that world. And I think like in a weird way, they've actually, like they've followed that formula enough that I'm like, it's not a full 10 or to 10 bad. It was successful in that formula execution. It's formulaic, but they do a good enough job following it that like they've fulfilled kind of the requirements of the genre. And so even though the acting is so fucking atrocious and some of the scripting choices and the directing choices are just like god awful. I can't give it a full 10 because I feel like it actually kind of hits the beats it's supposed to. You look very skeptical right now. <laughs> How bad did you think this movie was? <laughs> I think your judgment's a little bit clouded, both by the new internet love for this movie and for the fact that it starred Jesse Spano. This is a 10 bad. Yeah. There, there, this was not redeemable for me. The acting for me was horrible. I was struggling to understand many times like what the message was or why it was coming across, or it even seemed to be conflicting in a lot of the choices they were making. And I, I didn't connect with the characters. Like there was no point in this that I cared about Nomi. That's fair. I do think that for me, part of it, I mean, I thought Tony Moss character was great. Again, that guy did a fantastic job. That is it. That is a character to me that would be very true to life for that era and that time and that role. And I also think honestly, what might've affected my number here is the fact that, the two other dancers like sniping at each other and the fucking marbles thing or the beads where she takes her out and that actually playing a factor. I'm like, that actually was a good job of them setting that up and going through with it because I was like, I, I was convinced that was bullshit padding. There was no fucking point. <laughs> and when it, when it came out, it's like, oh, this oh, girl's going to so defend her. I'm like, oh, they actually did the ground pretty think well. It's always hard to separate enjoyment from good or bad. It is. People right? have people have messaged us and asked us about this specifically because they, they have a hard time with like they're like, what the fuck are you like how What do you mean? Yeah. What like why is it set up this way? And I think because I enjoyed it so little, it was hard for me not to give it a ten. And I guess well, this on is that a good note, yeah, I was here. gonna say, what's what's the what's the number for enjoyment for you? <laughs> I wrote something down and then after thinking about it for a little bit, went lower. Okay. It was way too long. It was slow. The acting was bad. 
there were a couple really funny lines. Yes, there were. I did blow up a few times and laugh at things, and those were intentional, right? Uh, I laughed at the blow-ups that she had that weren't intentional because they became so redundant and poor, but there were some funny lines too. With all of those things said, I think the enjoyability for me is a three. Wow, that's so low. Yeah. This is going to be one of those ones where we're very far apart. Are we? We're very yeah. far apart. Yeah, this I, is, yeah, it didn't do it for me. I, I really did not enjoy myself. Okay, I have it as an eight. What? <laughs> 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 Dude, it is a... Whoa. Well, hold on. You yourself Whoa. just said there's some really funny lines. I, like Uh, yourself, laughed at so many of the Elizabeth Berkeley scenes because she's terrible. And so watching it, I was enjoying how bad it was. I enjoyed laughing at the shitty acting. I enjoyed some of those lines. If I'm being honest, I enjoyed the nudity. There was a lot of nudity. (laughs) And, like, you know, uh, for me, this, again, we talked about at the beginning, this kind of epitomizes, like, what a bad movie is. This was just a colossal misfire. And to watch it and kind of marvel at, like, how did they think this was a good idea and how when you like when you were cutting footage and you kind of do like test screenings and how do you not see this is a complete fucking turd? I do enjoy that piece of it uh, for sure, but it, it's still a horrible movie that was way too slow and I did not enjoy my time. Watching the length it. is a problem for me. Cut the James shit, you're down to like like an hour forty, much more palatable. But overall, I, I had a good time watching it for how bad it was, and like I'm probably gonna watch it again at some point. Oh God, no. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, yeah, I have no interest in doing that. Well, you know, this is the way it happens sometimes. We don't always agree, and so uh, we're we're streets apart. Right. Streets what apart. about we're, this? We're, we're we're far apart on our. <laughs> what about this clothing optional session IPA? Um, you know, I'm not an IPA guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we preface that for every IPA we drink. Absolutely, we do. I mean, I I again, it's an IPA, so I didn't enjoy it like fundamentally, but compared to other IPAs, I found this to be like a smoother drink than some of the other ones we've had. Well, so. I've drank quite a few of these. Um, I drank some while I went and visited the brewery, and then we've had it again now. Um, I think it is a pretty fresh, clean West Coast IPA. I talk a lot on this podcast it's not your thing. about you're, how you're it's East not Coast my guy, style, yeah. right? I, I like the much more hazy, um, like really citrus forward. You do get some nice citrus notes in this. It does have a malty finish, though, which tends not to be my style, but I, I enjoyed it. I would definitely come back and have another one. I have drank a lot of their beer, and this isn't my favorite of the ones they make. It was perfect for our movie. The connections were too good. Um, But I would recommend trying lots of the beer from New Ontario. Beer Runner Blonde, I'm telling you. It is (laughs) fucking great. It is great. Uh, It's one of my favorites. So and thank you to New Ontario for making this possible. I like pulling those cans off the line for you. That's real sweet of them. Yeah, that was killer. Without them, uh, we would have been stuck. Uh, I now have a better system for hiding beers from my uh, my wife so that they are available for our podcast. <laughs> thank goodness, <laughs> fucking torpedo is there almost. Uh, so that's Showgirls. Glad we finally got to cover it. Been waiting a long time for that. Next week we're going to be watching Heart Condition. Heart Condition. I did not expect you to know what that is because most people don't. It is widely regarded as Denzel Washington's worst movie ever. Oh, is this like one of his first movies or something? Pretty early in the career. Uh, this is a mismatched like buddy comedy. Only uh, instead of two cops, it's uh, one racist cop and a black ghost who is haunting him. <laughs> okay. I'm excited to see how they uh, pull all this together. I'll tell you right now, they don't pull it off well. No. <laughs> no, not well. Uh, it's apparently Denzel Washington's greatest shame as an actor. And uh, we'll tell you all about why next week. Until then, if you have not already, 
please follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at the BMB Podcast. If you have any suggestions for beer or movies or combinations of either, please feel free to send messages to the DMs of our social media or send us an email at thebmbpodcast at gmail.com. Either way, that's going to do it for this week. I'm Cooper. I'm Nolan. And we'll see you next time on Bad Movies and Beer. Keep it know me. Beyond your wildest dreams. Beyond your wildest fantasies. 